Well, it certainly is good to be here this morning. Good to have all of you with us. We're going to be in the uh, Gospel of Matthew this morning. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I'll give you just a moment to catch up with me there. And I'll be in verse uh, 13, starting in verse 13. Matthew chapter 5. Where we pick this up is, uh, this is uh, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the lengthiest sermon that Jesus gives in all the Gospels. And just before we get to this passage of Scripture in its context, he gives us the Beatitudes. And he goes through, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, and blessed are those who revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. He's given a word of encouragement. And this is not, a, not uncommon for a preacher to get up and offer the congregation encouragement and get them going. Understand that we love you. God is saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. Jesus is telling the multitude, the crowds that he's seated. He's speaking out. You can imagine the backdrop with the mountain and the sea and his voice carries across the water and off of the valley walls. And he wants them to know how much they're blessed and how much they're loved. And that's called, a, called encouragement. And then he progresses into what we call the challenge. The challenge. What do we do with this information that Jesus has just given us? And Jesus, this is where the rubber hits the road and why many people might have just gotten up and left or perhaps stayed out of kindness and listened. Are you there today? I'm going to read it quickly because there's a passage I want to get to and then I'm going to go back and we're going to talk about the salt and the light. Verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Underline, if you'd like to, your father, your father. I'm going to tell you guys something this morning, okay? Today is Father's Day. Not all folks have had the same experience with their father as some other people have had. But I want you to know that there is one father that loves you absolutely, unconditionally, and he is there for you right now. Jesus loves us so much. Now listen to this. This, this is what prompted me this week to give this sermon. And I struggled with how to tie it together with salt and light because I wanted to focus on the fact that it's Father's Day and the greatest father is Father God. Jesus refers to God as his father many, many times. But he also, and catch this, because of his 
desire for you and I to understand the intimacy and the type of relationship that he has with the Father is not exclusive. He says to them in this passage of Scripture, give glory to your Father. The Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, our Father. So Jesus isn't saying he's just my Father. Jesus is not taking all the claim and saying he's my Father. He's your Father. He's giving you and I the opportunity to recognize that you are a child of God. And because of that position that you're in, you're his child. And he is our father. He's not just Jesus' father. He's our father. He's our father. That's an awesome thing. Jesus wasn't going to keep that from us. Jesus could have. Listen, they lived in, they live in perfect unity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They loved us so much. God loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for your sins and to die for mine. And the fact that we call him Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, we can get into all the theology on that. It's not that they're any different. They just serve different purposes, but it's all one Godhead. There's only one God. There's not three gods. God manifested himself in different ways for different functions. And Jesus is God in the flesh because God the Father, we can't physically see. God is spirit. But Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. If you've seen me, you've seen your Father. Your Father. I want you to think of it this week as you think about Father's Day. Think about your Father. Perhaps you're thinking of your father in the physical sense right now. Many of them have passed. Some of them are getting older. Some of them we don't like so much sometimes. Some of them we almost worship. Indeed, what Dorothy said is important, that fathers are very, very important to the stability of the world in which we live, and that stability is being challenged every day. The family unit is being challenged. We see that right now. It is a difficult road to hold, but there's men and women, mothers and fathers working together and in and under the umbrella of God the Father. We can do it. You can do it. We can do it. Thank you for being with us today. So how, how does all this tie into the salt and the light? Well, here's how it ties in. It's all God's word. Let's go back and take a look at this challenge that God has given, not just to fathers, but to mothers. Not just to fathers and mothers, but to brothers and sisters, to kids, to followers alike. Everybody, the entire world, anybody who has come or is going to come, God challenges us with this. And he's speaking to those who have said, if you choose to follow me, okay, if you choose to really follow me, then you must be, you are the salt of the earth. Now let me back up for a minute. There are only uh, one place in all of the New Testament where Jesus refers to you and I in a metaphorical language, metaphors. Salt and light. 
Those are metaphors. He's saying, okay, so what is important behind that? I'm, I'm going to tell you that the people who listened at the time, they understood what he meant when he said, you must be the salt and you must be the light. So I want to explain that to us today so that we understand it. What did he mean? What does it mean to you and me today? So if you are a follower of Jesus, you claim to be a Christian, says you are the salt of the earth. And it says, but if salt has lost its taste, how can the how, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Salt is an interesting uh, component, if you will. Salt is uh, sodium chloride, NaCl, and we have salt everywhere. <laughs> On every table across America. Any restaurants you go to, many of you will go to restaurants today to perhaps celebrate Father's Day or go home, somebody will say, well, you passed the salt. Well, you passed the pepper. Well, salt wasn't that prevalent back in the days, especially biblical days in the time of Jesus, particularly when this was written. Salt was a commodity and it was rare. It was actually used as money. Roman soldiers, maybe you already know this, Roman soldiers would often get paid with salt. Their work, their time, and that association of salt with work or salt and money comes from the Latin word salarium. Salarium is where we get our word today for salary. So when someone says they're not worth their salt, what they're really saying is they're not worth the money I'm paying them to do a job. So are you worth your salt? As a Christian, are you worth your salt? Are you worth it for what Jesus paid on the cross? What are you doing? We've talked and we've been taking a journey through James, but I've taken a, a side turn here because of the couple of weekends here. But it's all relative. It all ties together. What we do says a lot about who we are. What we do doesn't save us, doesn't make us a Christian, but it certainly points to the fact that we've made a conscious decision to follow Christ by being the salt and the light. So, are you worth your salt? Over the years, there have been many opportunities to try to figure out from theologians and different Bible scholars and preachers, what did Jesus mean when he said salt? Well, maybe, maybe these are just hypothetical, but they all are relevant, okay? Salt is white. Does it mean, did Jesus mean that we need to be pure in our thoughts, in our walk? We think of white, we think of purity, right? Maybe. I don't know. I, don't, I thought the first thing I think of when I think of salt that it's white. Yeah, it's white, but I didn't really think that. Yeah, I need to be pure. No, but we could use that. What, how about this? Have you ever been really thirsty? I remember several years ago, I was really, really thirsty one evening. This was when Long John Silvers was still in town. I remember being getting ready to go to bed, and I was like... Well, I am really thirsty. Why? You ever just been so thirsty? You gotta have something now. I gotta have I gotta have my water now. And I realized that I had three pieces of Long John Silver's fish that day, and their fish is really salty. And was absorbing any fluids I had left in my body, and I needed to rejuvenate and drink some water. So maybe we are just to create in people as the salt of the earth to create a thirst for Jesus. 
Maybe as the salt, Jesus is saying, I need you to create a thirst so that people seek out me. Well, that works. Not necessarily the first thing I think of, but it, it, it's all relevant. How about this one? Have you ever got a paper pen? Right along your fingernail bed, those are the worst. And you forget you have it there. And your wife says, hey, would you like a soda? Yes. How about some popcorn? You want salt on that? <laughs> Put your hand in the salt dish, or the popcorn dish. For us, it's more of a salt dish. We have some popcorn with our salt. And you can scream like a little baby when you get salt in that wound. There are noises that come out of my mouth that no human should ever make. Because salt in a wound hurts. It stings. Salt stings. So maybe Jesus was trying to tell us that sin has a stinging effect on people. And it's a serious thing. And he's trying to get your attention because when the salt gets in a wound, it gets my attention. When sin is in the environment, it should get your attention. It should sting. Have you ever accidentally sinned and went, oh, not good? Sorry. <laughs> And then you feel really bad about it for a while. That's a sting. Or you make a bad decision because God has given us free will. Let me explain that just, just for a moment. A little sidetrack. Uh, think of free will this way, a football game. And we have a field to play on. You have a goal at both ends. And you have sidelines. And you have a 50-yard line. And you have goalposts. And we have free will with inside that field. That's called God's sovereignty. So with inside that field, we can call whatever play you want. Now, God's never going to let us go outside that field. But inside this massive, eternal field that you and I live in, we call the plays. But there are consequences for the plays that we call. Right? And sometimes, when we make a decision, it stings. God will take that. He'll help put some salve on that sting, that wound. Try to get you back on the playing field. Wrap it in tape or whatever. Make another call. And that's life. We make call after call after call. We, we're constantly going back and forth inside of God's sovereign will, but we're trying to find His will really for our life on that field. So they have the least amount of stings. So, maybe Saul is to remind us that sin stings. Or... Maybe it's just as simple as this. Again, at the dinner table, to add a little flavor to our food, we have salt. And it's amazing how much better things will taste with a little salt, with a little flavor. And so maybe, maybe in that context, Jesus is trying to say, we need to be the flavor of the world. We need to just add a little flavor to people's lives. And it's as simple as that. I don't particularly like salt. I never put salt on anything. If it has it, it has it, but I don't ever add salt to it. Not my kids, they just... <laughs> Stop that. So, what are we trying to say? Well, salt is also a preservative. When Jesus spoke these words, you are the salt, congregation, they understood it clearly that they were to be a preservative 
and it also has penetrating qualities. You see, they didn't have refrigerators and igloos and Yeti coolers in the desert back in that day. So when you caught a whole gaggle of fish, you didn't run down to the store and throw it in the freezer. There wasn't one. What did you do? You covered it in salt. You wrapped it up. Because the salt has, uh, it penetrates the meat and it preserves and it delays the decay of the meat. So that if you, can't, you caught a whole bunch of fish, you're not gonna eat them all that day, right? You're gonna scatter it out over the month. Eat a little bit of fish here, a little bit of fish there. But the salt has a preserving quality to it because it penetrates its flesh. It penetrates the flesh. This was strong language used back in the day. You see, when they heard him say, you're the salt of the world, they understood we need to penetrate a corrupt culture. We need to penetrate the corrupt culture. We need to preserve God's word so that people have an opportunity to hear it. If you and I are not the salt, if we aren't preserving God's word, if we're not penetrating the corruptness of this culture, who's going to do it? You're the salt. If salt is sitting on a shelf in a nice little Morton container, we've all seen with the little umbrella, that salt is not doing any good sitting on a shelf. So you can have salt, but it not be effective. So you can be a Christian and be sitting on the shelf. Do you see the theme with James? Faith without works is dead. There must be an effort by us to salt the earth, to penetrate, to preserve God's word. Because somebody who's truly a believer has the desire to do that. That saltiness of itself and you providing the salt is not what saves you. You don't get saved by doing the work, but you desire to then do the work. So we are to be the salt. How about light? Verse 14 says, and you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, your light shall shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Salt and light. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. It takes 2.155 seconds to get light from the earth to the moon. It travels pretty doggone fast. The reality, though, is if you study light, you study quantum light uh, mechanics, you find out that actually the speed of light has never been verified. ka -ching. That's a fact. The speed of light has never been verified. That's as close as we can get, 186,000 miles per second. So when you look up into the night skies on a given... I came out here the other night, by the way. What... Man, it's awesome to come out here when it's dark and see the stars versus being in Jacksonville or any other city. You come out here and go, wow, there's a bunch of stars. You see all this blackness. You see these lights coming back at us. 
So those, those stars and those planets and all those celestial beings are out there so far away that by the time we actually see them, we're actually looking into the past. Because the light takes so long to travel here. We're actually looking into the past. So a star could have exploded and we don't even know it yet because we're, we're looking at the past. It's, it's, a, it's a weird thing. I love talking about relativity and time. We won't go down that path. But light is not just a wave form, but it's also a particle. Wave has special, unique characteristics that no other element has. And did you know that dark is an adjective? Dark. Look up the word dark. Look up the definition. And here's what it says. The absence of light. Dark is nothing more than the absence of light. So God says, you be the light. Well, guess what? Light also has penetrating qualities. Have you ever tried to go out in the middle of the night and you got a really high-powered flashlight and you got it on? Okay, if you're, if you're in the middle of a, of a conflict of some type and you're trying to hide yourself in the military and you got the light on, they're going to see you. You cover that light up, they're probably still going to see you because it doesn't take much for light to penetrate whatever small crevice there is there and you can see it for miles and miles and miles because light is penetrated, penetrates the darkness and it's very, very difficult to cover up the light. Light has its own depth. Light is a noun. Dark is an adjective. Darkness is nothing more than the absence of light because light is a component. Light is something. Light can be measured. Darkness is nothing more than a measurement of light. Just not much light. And we see light and darkness used throughout the Bible from Genesis. You'll see it in the beginning. He says, let there be light. You see it in Revelation, I think it's 22. Talks about the light. There will be no more sunlight because the light of God himself will shine out upon us. So from beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, light and darkness are referred to. And it always means light. Somebody walking with Christ. Somebody walking in righteousness. Somebody walking with God. And darkness always means just the opposite. Just the opposite. So both salt and light share some, same, share some of the same qualities. Number one, both are needed to sustain life. Both salt and light are both needed to sustain life. You have to have light for plants to survive. You have to have plants in order for us to survive. Light is the beginning of all life. That's what light means. It's life. Life is sustained by light. If we didn't have the sun, we would all not be here. Very safe to say. Okay? Light has a lot of qualities that are life-sustaining. If you were to live somewhere near Alaska, or even at the East Coast there where there's so much rain in Seattle, there's actually a, there's actually a psychological um, illness called SAD, which is Seasonal Affective Disorder. And people get depressed because the lack of light. And they literally have to sit under lights to help with their mood. In fact, you can go now online and you can buy these lights that you can bring in your homes and look at them and then make you happy. So ladies, if you really are upset with your husband, really want to get under your skin, get him a happy light. 
No, this is a happy light. Just thought you might want to. Okay. But they do have them. And light, light has that effect. It changes who we are. In the same regard, again, both are needed to sustain life. Sodium is a component of salt. Sodium chloride. Sodium, we have to have to survive. You have to have sodium in your body to survive. In fact, if your sodium level goes too low, which can happen with people who have certain illnesses or even athletes who exhaust themselves, we get sodium gets low, what do we do? We refill with electrolytes, Gatorade, Powerade, whatever it may be, right? But if your sodium goes too low, you get a condition called hyponutremia. Hyponutremia is a bad place to be. Not enough sodium will lead to death. Your brain has to have sodium to survive. Too much sodium is also a bad thing. But sodium is a big component in the sodium-potassium pump that keeps our hearts moving. Sodium is needed for life. Light is needed for life. It's interesting that the word life is actually comes from two Greek words. Listen to this. The word life derives from two Greek words. One is bios. The other is zoe. Bios, you may be familiar with. It's referring to biological or physical life. So when you study biology, you're studying physical science. You're studying biology. The life is the body. So we have bios, the body, the physical life. And we know a lot about that, right? So you have to have light and you have to have sodium to have the physical body. But likewise, the other word that means life in the Greek is zoe. And this is referring to spiritual life. Spiritual life. Now, this is in the original, original languages. When, when, when the word life is referred to, it's referred to as either bios life, physical life, or zoe life, which is spiritual life. Okay? In John, you don't need to turn here, in John 10, 10, as an example, John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Do you know which life he was talking about? Bios, biological life, or was he talking about spiritual life? It's 50-50 shot here. Talking about zoe, spiritual life. The word used that Jesus used there that's translated when he says, I came that you might have life. He's not talking about physical life. He's talking about spiritual life. Let me give you a really harsh example of this. Back in 2018, I was on a roadway, Orangeville Blacktop, between Beerstown and Orangeville. There was an accident. I happened to witness it. A woman got thrown from a car, landed in the cornfield, and died. Died. I was the first one on the scene. Some other folks showed up. EMT showed up. Ambulance showed up. Coroner showed up. Sheriff's Department showed up. Got the body taken care of and uh, moved off the site. The car was still laying there because there was still an investigation going on with the fatality with the Illinois State Police. Comes this car, tooling along, pulls onto the side of the road, gets out, and a young man hops out of the car. He says, well, what happened? That car belonged to his fiancée. 
He didn't know that she had died. Did a little research on that situation, but anyway, myself and the sheriff had to tell him, and obviously he was a mess. When things got a little calmer and some of his other family got there, it was revealed to me that she and he were to be married the following weekend. But the prior weekend or the weekend prior to that, I'm not sure, they joined a church and were baptized. They don't understand it at the time, nor did I, but I understand it now that her bios life, her physical life was over. You see, we all have a, a determined number of years in this physical body. We're all going to pass. And this woman passed. But he knew, I knew, and now you know, and just as what Jesus was talking about, the life that's more important is the Zoe life, which is the spiritual life, and that's the one you need to be concerned with. He says, I came to give you life everlasting. He wasn't talking about your body. He was talking about your spirit, because everybody is born with a spirit and with a body. And your spiritual body is the one that you need to be watching out for. That's the one where all the spiritual warfare takes place. That's the one that lives on for eternity, either with and in the presence of God, or separated from Him in a place we call hell. Jesus says, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. He wasn't talking about your beauty. Wasn't talking about your pocketbook. Wasn't talking about the car sitting in your driveway or the house. He was talking about your spiritual well-being. That you will live forever, either with God or without God. But you will live forever. That is a stark thought. Believe me when I say that those words are true, however and wherever you may be in your walk today. Both salt and light are needed to sustain life. Also, secondly, both salt and life have purifying and healing qualities. Salt and light have purifying and healing qualities. You know, light is a wonderful disinfectant. In fact, there was some research done with COVID using ultraviolet lights and all kinds of different infrared lights to disinfect different things. We've even, I think Julie might even got this little thing you plug into the wall, it opens up, put your phone in it and turn it on for like 10 minutes and it uses some type of light to disinfect the phone. Supposed to work, but people Doctors use lasers to go in and perform surgeries and do life-saving procedures. Uh, doctors who work on the skin, dermatologists, they use lasers to purify the skin and remove uh, skin lesions and things like that. So a laser is a light source, right? Um, in the same respect, salt. Salt. I talked about a stinging, right? When it gets in the wound, well, it's because it has antiseptic qualities. Okay. It, it, it has antiseptic qualities. And this is really interesting to me, and you don't need to turn here. And if you go to Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 4, again, in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 4, you can look this up later. Actually, when a baby was born back in the day, we get an insight as to what they did. So the baby would come out of the mother's birth canal, and they would rub salt on the baby. Not to make it a hand to serve later for lunch. Don't take it that way but because of its antiseptic qualities and because of the risk of bacterial infection and things, they would rub salt on the babies. This is all the way back, way back in Ezekiel. Actually in the verses there, verse 16. 
excuse me, chapter 16, verse 4. Listen, you think COVID is bad? We have a contagion out there that's much worse. And that contag contagion is sin. Not neglecting COVID or any other viruses, but the contagion that we're dealing with is sin and the world is infected. It has corrupted the culture in which we live. If you will open your eyes for just a moment and truly, truly look at the world for what it is, you will see the corruption. There are many joys and many blessings, don't get me wrong, but we live in a very difficult time. We live in a corrupt world, a corrupt society. You know we do. We are called to be the light and the salt. Lastly, I think I mentioned it already, both salt and light have penetrating properties. Sin has penetrated our society. Jesus said, you're the salt and the light. We are to penetrate this corrupt culture. We're to go into the churches, we're to go into the society in which we live, the schools in which we teach, the workplaces in which we work, the families in which we, we love. We're to penetrate with our love, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. There's a lot of people that will say, I'm a Christian, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's a personal thing for me. What they're really saying is, I received Jesus, but I don't want anybody to know it. It's hard to put a shade on a lamp and keep the light from shining. Okay? If you try hard enough, you can stay out of the business. You can stay out of the, out of the, the game. You can stay off the football field, so to speak. But it's really hard if you're a true follower, a true believer in Jesus. It's really, really hard to hide that light. Jesus says, I want you to take off that covering. I want you to shine for men. I want you to shine for the world. If you and I would just do that, how much different would our society be? How much more penetration, how much better would we have penetrated this corrupt culture? So many of us, though, sit in the shadows. I've been guilty of it, too of really expressing our faith and our belief because we might be considered a Bible thumper or a street preacher or some wacko Christian person that's a born-again freak of nature. You can call yourself whatever you want, but you're a child of God, and we have the greatest father ever. And I'm not embarrassed of my father. You may be embarrassed of your bios father, your biological father, or you may be worshiping him. It doesn't matter. Our father God is something you can always stand up for and never try to hide. He will always have your back. He will always protect you. And he will reward you for professing his son, Jesus' name, to the masses. And when we do that, we're spreading the salt. We're preserving. Again, salt sitting on a shelf does no good. It must be applied must be put on the meat that is being degraded. You see, we're all decaying. Bios, we're decaying. I was reminded of that when I went and got my license yesterday. My hair is not brown any longer. It's gray as an indication of decay. I'm getting older. I'm reminded of bios. I'm a biological being, and I only have so many years on this planet but I have eternity with God the Father. And Jesus loved me so much that he says, I'm going to share him with you. 
I'm not going to claim him for myself. I'm offering him to you. He says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Do you believe that today, fathers? Lead your families. Lead them. Mothers, kick them in the butt if they're not leading. Too many women today are leading in the churches where we're not men. That's why you have women filling the pulpits. That's why you have women teaching. That's why you have women doing all these wonderful things. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just men, we have let each other down. Be the salt. Be the light. Be pure. Provide that thirst. That sting. That flavor. God loves you. So do I. Thanks for being with us today. Let's pray. And Father, thank you for this glorious day. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you give us the metaphors for salt and light. And that you made it clear to them what you meant by that. And Lord, I pray that we were clear this morning what you mean by that. Lord, we thank you. And as we hold out the cross, as we hold out everything that your son did for us, Lord, as we celebrated last week in the Lord's Supper, the full breadth of what you gave us through your, your, your entire body. You spilled your blood as the ultimate sacrifice, Lord God. Lord, I thank you. Lord, if there's anybody here or anybody listening that is, you know, I'm not so sure about this God thing. Lord, that you would just, your Holy Spirit would invade their heart, penetrate their very being, Lord, and show them the truth. And we are preaching and speaking the truth. And I pray that all of us here, Lord, are not afraid to stick by that truth, preach that truth, speak that truth, and live it. Lord, help us, help us, help us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. The congregation says, amen. Callie, would you come forward and close us in our hymn here this, this, this afternoon? And we will have you stand and with us sing our, sing our closing hymn.